0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. I'm an attorney here in Lakeland. Uh, To call into the show today, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. My office is conveniently located at 904 South Missouri Avenue in Lakeland. That's directly behind the old Southside dry cleaners that's on South Florida Avenue. My parking lot literally backs up to the back of their building, so I'm very easy to find. Today, I had a topic that was suggested to be by the person that I have been now married to for about 38 and a half years, almost 39 years. It'll be 39 in August. My wife, Sonia, came up with the idea today. And who am I to say no to my wife when she so rarely suggests what I do on the radio show? But uh, she had indicated that maybe because of some of the more recent incidences that we are hearing about or seeing that it would be a good day to do another show on self-defense, stand your ground, and constitutional carry updates. I've done shows already about what constitutes self-defense and stand your ground and constitutional carry and where we're at in this state as it would relate to that. But we've got some updates on different cases and things like that where those kinds of laws would apply, and then we've had some recent developments as it would relate to constitutional carry that a lot of people may not have heard about. And so I figured it'd be a good day to kind of give a little bit of an update on where those types of aspects would apply in real-life situations rather than just the, the hypothetical situation of what the law is and how it should work. Um, as, as early as, or as late as I should say last week, uh, roughly April 27th, which should have been, I believe, Wednesday of last week, uh, cause the 30th would have been Saturday since that is our daughter's birthday. But the 27th, uh, there was a lady in the Tampa area, um, who ended up shooting a guy in the ca- in a car. And the reason that she shot him was because apparently he was trying to run over her. Now, I don't know that they've released any names on this whatsoever yet, and I'm not going to go into names because it's really not relevant for the discussion. The issue was, was it okay for her to shoot him? And the answer is, if he was attempting to run her over, absolutely it would be okay for her to shoot him. That would fit under both the self-defense and stand-your-ground type theories uh, simply because under those situations, you, your life is put at risk. And therefore, you may use deadly force in order to try to uh, keep yourself from being harmed. So assuming what we are hearing in the media, and I always caveat that because we end up hearing stuff that turns out later not to be completely accurate, and I'll probably address that in one of my later scenarios here in a few minutes, um, where stuff developed later that demonstrated it was not totally accurate, but assuming everything we've heard so far is totally accurate and she was, he was trying to run her over with a car, she has absolutely no problem in shooting him if he's attempting to do so. Um, they ultimately pulled him out of the car, and he, he later died, despite them trying to give life-saving measures to him. But that is a classic example of when the use of deadly force is appropriate. If somebody is attempting to run you over with a roughly two to 4,000-pound vehicle, Uh, We used to call it sometimes when we were doing closing arguments as prosecutors a two-ton hurtling mass of steel going down the highway. Then your options are either shoot and wound and or kill the other party and good luck in trying to wound them through a a glass windshield. Uh, That's going to be tough to kind of accommodate because you don't know exactly what you need to do to just wound them. And honestly, you have no obligation to just wound them at that point. The idea is you need to stop the the threat. And wounding them may not do it. It could make it worse. So in those kinds of instances, the person should shoot to kill because they have no other option at that point. The option is they get run over and they may die. Or somebody else gets run over and they may die. So that is a classic example of when either self-defense and or stand your ground would apply is a case like that. Now I've got another case example that I want to go into where stand your ground and self-defense has absolutely no application whatsoever. And again, this is all assuming what is being reported in the media is correct. It's very early on in this, but right here in greater Polk County, uh, I believe it was over the weekend, a lady went in and told her son to quit smoking in his room. And this is an adult son. This is not a minor, but even if it was a minor, it doesn't matter. The whole point is she told him to quit smoking. Uh, The idea was, I think the the wording was, she reprimanded him for smoking. She closes the door, and he shoots her through the door in the house. Now, that is not a case of self-defense or stand your ground. Number one, she'd not threatened him. Number two, there was nothing indicating she had threatened him. Number three, she'd closed the door and was outside of the door. The individual's defense so far that, again, has been reported was that he was depressed and had the gun to his own head and somehow it discharged and hit her. That is practically impossible to even envision how that could possibly be the case. Uh, And furthermore, he actually left the area. Uh, One of her other sons is the one that found her dead out in the hallway. It took a little while for him to figure out how she died because there was no blood on the ground. The way the bullet entered her body there was no blood coming out onto the, the rug. And so it took them finding the bullet in her at the medical facility to be able to determine the cause of death. Until then, she just looked like she'd collapsed on the floor. But he literally shot her through the doorway in the home, and now he's really not trying to claim a self-defense or stand your ground, but it's a case where somebody has shot somebody those kind of laws are not going to apply in that kind of circumstance. There's, there's no way to even twist them to make them to fit that. What he was trying to do was act like it was some sort of an accident. There ain't no accident in this one, folks. When you've just been reprimanded and you shoot through somebody uh, a door to hit somebody, there's only uh, one or two conclusions that you can reach out of that. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to The Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. I'm an attorney in Lakeland. To call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. As I indicated at the beginning of the show, the topics for today are kind of an update as it would relate to some self-defense cases. Uh, Stand Your Ground cases and some updates as it would relate to constitutional carry in Florida. Uh, We've talked about a couple of cases before the break uh, that are very recent, one in Hillsborough and one in Lake Wales. The next one I'm going to go into is not in Florida, but it still has a lot of application under Florida law, meaning that we can envision something like this being a situation here. Uh, It was just last week, San Antonio, Texas. And a woman ended up having to shoot and kill a guy who broke into her home. Uh, she shot him in the chest as he was coming through their laundry room. She had her three children with her in the home at the time this occurred. Uh, anytime in Florida that you're in your home and somebody comes in that's uninvited under Florida law now, it is presumed that they are there to do you no good, and especially as part of an application of that, and I'm not saying it it centers on this, but if your three children are there as well, it really puts things into that posture. It doesn't mean you still can't do it if the kids aren't there. It just adds to the flavor that you've got your three children in there. And she ended up shooting, and, and the guy died. The investigators found him in the backyard in a chair, bleeding to death, uh, out back. So at least he had the common decency to slouch his way back to the backyard Uh, probably is just his way of trying to get away, and he couldn't get very far because she did a good job of shooting him in the chest. But the long and the short of it is people shouldn't be going into other people's homes being unannounced and uninvited. It's not I mean, that's called burglary, and it's against the law. It's a felony. It's a felony in Texas. It's a felony in this state. And when people do things like that, it puts themselves – at risk of consequences, and those consequences are getting shot. Uh, Polk County, that would have been a really, it would have been the same probable result if the person was armed in the home. Our sheriff has made it very clear that you are not to enter somebody else's home uninvited. You get—you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes, and the prize in this case is death because you you simply cannot take it upon yourself to do things like that It's against the law. It's against the law for a reason, and you put yourself at peril. So as a result, this lady, I'm sure, will face no charges. Uh, The only way I could see or envision any kind of charge against her is if the person had been residing there, uh, lawfully was able to enter, meaning they had a key and they had not been prohibited from entering. That's a different story. That becomes a manslaughter issue potentially at that point. That's not what we have. This, according to reports, and again, it's news reports that I'm relying on, so I'm caveating that on everything today, it appears that this person entered the home without any permission and without having any reason to be there, other than probably to commit some crime while they were there. And as a result, she shot and killed him. Uh, So that's another case where self-defense, if if Texas has a stand-your-ground law, I'm Pretty much sure that's going to also apply there as well. So let me go to a more recent statement that was done. And I guess I, I got to tell you, this one actually wasn't done by our sheriff, although I don't know that he would have a problem with it. But the Santa Rosa sheriff, uh, Bob Johnson, about a week ago, actually a little over a week ago, uh, there was a defendant that broke into four homes and had gone across several backyards in, neighborhood, in the neighborhood. Well, he went into one of the wrong homes, so to speak, and a homeowner shot at him but missed. And at least it scared him enough to get him out of that home, though. So there is a benefit factor, even if you miss, to shooting at somebody is getting them out of there. A lot of people go, well, yeah, they could take the gun from you and hit you. I guess they could, but they also could have killed this person if the person had not fired the gun simply because he found him in the home. The whole point of this particular part of the presentation, though, is really the quote of the sheriff at the time. Now, so everybody understands where Santa Rosa uh, County is, I actually had to look it up, but I've actually been through it before. I think I handled a case there once upon a time. It's up next to Pensacola. Uh, it's right on the Alabama line up there. It's, uh, there may be one extra county in between it and Alabama, but it is literally in the panhandle way far to the left and I don't mean left politically, I mean left in the state. It's about far right politically as you get. Um, that That's part of what helps carry any Republican candidate in a statewide race is Santa Rosa County and some of those surrounding counties up there. They are very conservative and very Republican-oriented. But anyway, the sheriff up there made a very, what I would call, Grady-esque statement, and I don't want to attribute this to our Sheriff Grady Judd, but I, I could almost hear him saying it as well. The sheriff is quoted as saying, if somebody's breaking into your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. I think Grady said something fairly close to that in Polk County. i know it's paraphrasing it, but it's pretty close. In fact, he said, we prefer that you do actually shoot them. Hopefully, you'll save the taxpayers' money. And Now, these are all quotes from the sheriff himself. and his I, I understand his theory and his thought process on this. If you shoot and kill them, they don't have to try them and warehouse them until they're either executed or warehouse them for the rest of their life. In other words, you're kind of doing society a favor. Now, I, we can go into the old philosophical debate all day long about whether it's okay to kill somebody or not. I understand some people have a real aversion to something like that, and I, I get it. it. Even in within the Bible, there's conflicting thought processes. Uh, within our laws, there's some conflicting thought processes. But in this particular case, again, it's in somebody's home. The person has obviously broken into at least three other homes in the neighborhood already. They've placed themselves at serious peril because of what they have done. They have placed the persons or uh, even just the person uh, of this one home in peril because they were home when it happened. All of those are things that would lead to this kind of commentary. And the the commentary back and forth on this is all over the spectrum, and I think you can understand where it's coming from. Your more conservative or right-wing type sources are very much in favor of what this sheriff is talking about. There are the pundits on the left that say, oh, now we're going to turn Santa Rosa County into the wild, wild west. No. The person that broke into the homes turned it into the wild, wild west. The homeowner was simply protecting themselves. Uh, We can call them Doc Holliday. We can call them Wyatt Earp. That's not true. They were not in a position to try to get into a gunfight with somebody. They were simply protecting their property. And that's really the perspective we have to take on something like this, is where does it lead and and why are we doing what we're doing? And any time, again, that somebody is breaking into somebody's home, that leads to these types of results. They have stepped across the threshold of a person's residence. They've put themselves in peril because they went in unannounced, uninvited, and unwelcomed. And the homeowner is left with little choice at times but to defend themselves, Uh, to try to cower back into a room to get away from somebody. Yes, that is an option, but it may not be good enough if the person comes on into that room and there's no way of knowing what the burglar is going to do. You can't read their mind, and they sure aren't telling you what they're doing. So if they come into that room, you're still at peril and you're no better off. Uh, Retreating doesn't always work, and that's why our legislature changed a lot of the stuff as it would relate to Stand Your Ground, and I say changed it, they included Stand Your Ground, but they also changed a lot of the self-defense requirements concerning retreating from a a situation uh, in order to understand that retreat is not always uh, available or acceptable under the circumstances. So this sheriff has taken some fire from people on the left, but he's getting a lot of applause from people on the right. I don't think he really cares on the people on the left. His community supports him wholeheartedly. That's why he has been elected their sheriff. Um, and he understands how to deal with these type of issues. Now, to go that far as to say hopefully it will save some taxpayers money, well, that, that's probably true to the extent if the person's dead, We're not going to ever have to deal with it again. It's done. It's over with. It is going to be something that the person that did the shooting is going to have to morally deal with, and as long as they can accept it in their mind that they did what they had to do to defend themselves and their their home, then they're going to be okay. But it is tough, and I I do want to reiterate, it is not something that should be taken lightly. Shooting somebody is not something that should be taken lightly. Uh, It is an issue that we see... On a fairly routine basis anymore, we're starting to see more and more people defending themselves and taking care of their homes and their property, as they should. Uh, But this is a classic example of a sheriff saying, don't do this in our community. There are consequences for what you do. And again, I'm not sure I have a problem with it under the circumstances of what was done here. I don't. There might be some other circumstances where you wouldn't want to say, okay, it's okay to shoot somebody. But anytime somebody has come into their home, they've already been breaking into other homes, it's clearly a situation where this shooting was justified because the person was there for no positive circumstance. They were there to commit uh, another criminal offense. In fact, they had already committed it by coming into the residence. And it was a felony that they'd already committed because they came in with the, commit, uh, the intent to commit a burglary. And as a result, this person was well within their rights uh, to be able to defend themselves. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to The Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. To call in, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863 863-682- 682 1430 to contact me at my office. The number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. We've been talking about self-defense, stand your ground, and constitutional carry updates, mostly self-defense and stand your ground at this point. And I want to touch more a little bit on that, and then I'm going to go into the constitutional carry update. Uh, we I had a, a whole show on this before the trial and then after the trial. On the Curtis Reeves case that was up in Pasco County, uh, it it sprung, sprung out a lot of debate, even on this show, with, between callers, as to whether what he had done was, um, I hate to use the word appropriate, appropriate's not the right word, legally uh, okay or not, and this was, for those folks that don't remember the case, this was the retired police captain uh, that was acquitted of murder up in Pasco County in the movie theater shooting, uh, the case was eight or nine years old before it ever even got to trial, I believe, seven or eight, something in that range. A lot of it had to do with just uh, different motions that were being run, discovery that was being done in it, and then COVID obviously delayed it for a period of time before it could be tried. And I had predicted that if the jury followed the law prior to the, to the trial actually occurring, that he would be acquitted. And that a lot of people didn't like my opinion on that, but it turns out I was correct and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. It's just there's a difference between liking what something was how something was done and whether you think it was done okay and whether it's legally whether it's okay or not. And under the law in Florida at the time, as I had explained to everybody, the throwing of popcorn is a battery on an elderly person under the law. And technically that becomes a felony being committed on the gentleman. Now, Do I think it's okay to shoot somebody into that? No. But whether I think that's okay or not is not the issue. The issue is what is the law on it? And as it would relate to stand your ground and or self-defense, that would be the appropriate application, like it or not, of the law, uh, was that he should be acquitted, and he was. And like I said, we did a program before and a program after. I thought I would re-bring it up just because it clearly shows that Some people may not like the legal consequences of an action. They may not feel like it was right that he shot somebody in a public place uh, over something as simple, and I say simple, as getting hit with popcorn. There was more to it that we found out during the trial that the media did not give us or did not present to us. And uh, I, I was very critical of the narrative that had been espoused Because during the trial, we found out a lot more about what happened out of all of it. Uh, Stuff that was never released through the media, even if it was given to the media, they didn't provide it to us. And a lot of it has to do with the narrative that certain media outlets want to try to broadcast. They they don't give you all of the facts. We saw that with the Rittenhouse case as well. And I don't want to beat that horse to death either, but that young gentleman was acquitted up in Wisconsin based on the fact that that the, the facts that were adduced at trial were not the same things that were being given to us through quick blurbs in a news media outlet. And it was clear that a lot of that had been colored along the way to fit the narrative of whatever that media outlet was trying to portray. So all of this I'm telling you on each one of these cases that are very fresh today has a lot to do with the fact that I'm basing the opinion I'm giving you and the circumstances on what's been released so far. Some of these might change depending on what we find out. I doubt there's going to be much of a change on the gentleman that broke into four homes. I have a feeling that one's pretty much going to stand as is. The lady who shot the gentleman in the car, we never know what video might show. It might show him trying to get away from her. And if that's the case, that's not a self-defense or stand-your-ground issue anymore. If he's not driving at her or within close proximity of her, that's a whole different issue. But at least for now, what's been released is that he was attempting to run over her. The gentleman that shot his mother and killed her through the door. Not a stand-your-ground or self-defense case. It doesn't even come close. And I'm having a hard time, based on what's been released so far, of even wrapping my head of how we could be twisted into something like that. Uh, The lady that shot and killed the guy in San Antonio, Texas, again, not a situation where I can reasonably foresee that that is going to change much. Now, if the guy had been legally living there, that might change the overall circumstances of it. Or, say it's a relative that had normal ingress and egress to the house. But none of that's been released, so there's no reason to read those kind of circumstances into it. As it sits, that one looks like a legitimate self-defense type case. Uh, To give a quick update on one local case around here, and that case is the one involving Michael Dunn, our former city commissioner. I've known Mike for a long time. He had pled to the manslaughter case uh, before a trial was ever to a start on this, and his sentencing is currently set for May 23rd. I may or may not touch on that right afterwards. We'll see how it goes. I want to see what happens on it and see if it's even something that needs to be addressed. I certainly feel for the individual to shot, but I also feel a lot for Michael Dunn as well because I know him personally, and I, I wish him the best on the long term. Uh, we'll see how this plays out, but it is something that's coming up in about three weeks. Actually, three weeks from today is when it's scheduled for. That could change, but at least for now, I believe that's when it's still set for. Update on constitutional carry in Florida. I just did a whole show, basically, on constitutional carry. What states have it already? Almost half of the states in the country have a version of constitutional carry in place. Uh, We're kind of getting on the bandwagon late, but hopefully we're still getting there. Basically, constitutional carry is the ability to carry a a firearm on you without having to have a concealed weapons permit. Uh, Governor DeSantis has indicated once again that he is more than willing to sign it if they will get it to his desk and that it is it is his prediction that it will get done before he leaves the governor's mansion. Well, that just means somewhere in the next four years because realistically the chances of him getting beat this year, as long as everybody that likes him shows up to vote for him, is about slim and none. Uh, the two opponents are not even real opponents to me. One of them is Nikki Freed and the other one's Charlie Crist. So realistically, if they will get it to him, he will sign it. He is considered even invoking the ability to have a special session just to deal with the issue. Uh, he He seemed to indicate in his last comments, which were as late as last week, that it could be anywhere from a month to six months. But he is anticipating it being on his desk to be able to sign, which means I'm sure he may, if they don't get it to him in the next month or so, I would imagine that he is going to have his own staff drafting something that will then be presented to the legislature for them to try to figure out and get it done. He has made sure that he wants it to be one of his priorities. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. One, there's no reason for Florida not to be in that list at this point. Every other southern state is, is doing it. and we, I'm not one of those people, well, let's just band on, jump on the bandwagon. But it's not causing the Wild West effect that we were all told it was going to cause. There is no rippling effect through the southeast or the west where most of the states are at. Uh, in fact, one of the states is uh, Vermont. They were the lead state that co- that put this into effect to begin with. There's this, there's no huge outcry or problems with the ability to carry a firearm without a concealed carry permit. Those states have all exemplified that at this point. There's not this huge surge in... in firearms related crimes in those states because of it so there is no valid basis to be critical of it at this point in the state of florida the only other issue that might be a problem tag along with it is whether it will be open carry allowed or not that means whether you would be able to carry it on your hip without having to have it covered up i honestly i'm i don't care on that either way i think it should be somebody's choice and realistically, there's a bunch of states that have open carry that they don't have a problem either. So I, I'm critical of the aspect of us limiting, limiting people's uh, constitutional right to be able to have and possess a firearm just to make somebody else feel better about it. That's not the way that's supposed to work. It is a constitutional right. And that's why we call it constitutional carry, is it does away with requiring somebody to get a permit or license to do it because it eliminates that requirement. Now, you'd still have to meet the other federal criteria of not being a convicted felon or having a a domestic violence injunction. Those types of things uh, would still be in play. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to The Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. I'm an attorney here in Lakeland. Uh, to call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. We've been talking about self-defense, stand your ground, and constitutional carry updates, and I I have touched on the constitutional carry update before the just before the break because realistically within the last week, 10 days, we've seen Governor DeSantis really pushing our Florida legislature to get that done and get it to him. Uh, It would put us in line with a lot of other states that have already adopted it. Uh, Usually Florida is kind of at the forefront of stuff like this, and this time we're lagging behind. I did have a good friend of mine uh, message me during the break uh, asking about the issue of how medical marijuana cards would factor in. As it would relate to constitutional carry, that – that would have nothing to do or would not apply to a medical marijuana card. The problem with the medical medical marijuana card is that it runs afoul, and I guess it would have a dealing because you wouldn't need it for the permit anymore, for the, the concealed weapons permit. But you're still going to have to fill out a Form 4473 when you buy a gun at a gun shop. And one of the questions on there deals with whether or not you use a substance that is federally prohibited which includes marijuana, whether or not you have a medical marijuana card or not. The state cannot override that part, meaning the Florida legislature, while they can authorize medical marijuana cards, cannot override the the current federal position on that, which means that until the United States House and the United States Senate send a bill to either legalize marijuana entirely or exempt it as it would relate to firearms uh, for medicinal purposes, any of, either of which would probably work to satisfy this, you're still going to run afoul on the background check portion of buying a firearm at a gun shop if you have a medical marijuana card and it is in their computer system. And I put a lot of caveats on there because it's not always in the system, even though it's supposed to be reported through. So if it's not, you probably are going to be okay anyway. But I'm not advocating somebody going in a line because you're filling out a form and it says you're filling out that form under oath. If you've got a medical marijuana card, you're still in a problem with running afoul of federal law on that, unless and until the United States House and the United States Senate pass legislation either exempting medical marijuana from the federal statutes prohibiting marijuana use. Or they just legalize marijuana in its entirety and get it out of being a controlled substance. Therefore, it would then no longer prohibit you under Form 4473 uh, from being able to purchase a firearm. I hope that kind of clarifies that area. It's probably as clear as mud, but it's about as good as I can do on it. It's the difference between the United States law and the state law. State laws, they they have been somewhat authorized to be able to do medical marijuana, and even legalized marijuana within their state. The feds have taken a blind eye to it, but technically the feds could come in and start prosecuting those people in those states uh, for the production of marijuana on the legalized ones anyway, maybe not the medical ones, but at least on the legalized ones for recreational use, because it still runs afoul of federal law. And federal law preempts state law in something like that. Now, realistically, are they going to do that? No, they got enough other irons in the fire, including trying to control the border and dealing with the fentanyl crisis that's coming in at this point, which is causing a horrendous amount of deaths, Since coming in, and it's completely out of control. And I've talked about fentanyl on this program before. That's a whole different subject. That one causes deaths. The medical marijuana issue is a different issue that's going to have to be addressed at the federal level before the state level can do anything with it. Next thing I want to touch on is something that I've been seeing even more of in the last couple of weeks, and it's not part of what I had announced the show was going to be on, but I think it's important that it be dealt with, and that is student loan forgiveness. I will tell you right now, as it is being proposed, I am absolutely against every bit of that. I paid off every student loan I had when I got out. My wife paid off all of her student loans when she got out, and my two kids that have got a student loans they're working on paying theirs off. I, to tell me that we need to forgive all these student loan debts, what about the folks that never went to college? They're going to be the ones that are ultimately paying on those loans because the money's got to come from somewhere, folks. It, it doesn't just rain down out of the sky. So it's either going to be absorbed through taxpayers, and that includes those folks that did not go to college, or it's going to be some other form of taxation. Money's got to come from somewhere. Or we print the money and just say, okay, we've printed it, now we're paying it off with printed money. You've now just made the dollar worthless, even more so than it already is. So you've devalued the dollar. That is not fair to the people that are hardworking Americans that have not incurred these debts to begin with to now in some way, shape, or form make them pay for those student loan debts. The ideas that have been proposed that are much more viable as it relates to student loan uh, type of activities is let's start regulating these colleges on how much they can get in student loans and looking at what kind of degree programs that they're handing out and the programs themselves that are, for lack of a better word, privateering. I don't have a problem with private colleges. I don't have a problem with public colleges. But all of them are charging very high rates right now. And I understand that. It costs money to to keep these places going. But if you can't foresee being able to pay them for whatever degree you're attempting to get when you're going to that college, how is that my problem at this point? How is that Joe Blow down the street? How is that their problem? Don't go incur the debt if you can't repay it. There are other ways that you could have earned that money, potentially, to be able to help soften that debt. It's called the United States military. There's the GI Bill that helps with getting people to go to college. And it's based on part of the service that you've done within the United States military. And people go, well, that's not all for everybody. Well, then fine. Neither is going to college. It's not for everybody. And secondarily, the ones that have gone need to get degrees in something that's actually going to be able to help them pay the debt they're incurring. To just go to college to get a degree in something you like and incur 100000 or $200,000 in debt is absurd. And then expect it to be forgiven? And the latest proposal I heard come out of this administration was, well, instead of $50,000 worth of debt, we'll just forgive 10000 okay, excuse me, where's my $10,000 back then where I paid more than that back in back when I was getting my loans? I got loans to get a degree with something where I could ultimately pay those loans back, and I did. Where's my wife's 10000 where she had loans that she incurred and she paid back with a degree that she could actually use and pay back the debt? We're, we're not teaching people fiscal responsibility. And here becomes the problem once again. At least Florida's governor has done something in this, along with the legislature, of requiring a class in high school now to be able to understand finances. Hopefully they'll teach them at least how to write a check and balance checkbook. And a lot of people go, oh, God, why do they need that? Because it's readily apparent that a lot of people need to understand accounting practices, and that's basic for accounting practices. It also will help you with the use of your debit card. You'll still learn. How to do the basic accounting. There are people that I've seen them pay for a $2 cup of coffee with their debit card at a drive-thru line. That's ridiculous. I don't understand the whole concept. But to sit here and tell me, oh, we're just going to forgive 10 grand, my God, where's my 10 grand? Where's my wife's? You start handling out 10 grand to everybody. Again, the dollar is worthless at that point, it becomes meaningless. All of a sudden, our, our bread that's costing me $4 a loaf now or more is going to cost me $6 a loaf. And the meat is going to be that's $9 a pound now is going to be $12 or $14 a pound. I don't know if anybody's checked the price of chicken wings later, lately, but oh my God, it's horrible. I could buy a chicken breast faster than I can buy chicken wings or at cheaper prices. And, and it's all because we're allowing the dollar to be devalued right now. And if we start forgiving a lot of student loan debt, that's going to be a problem. So the answer is don't hand out or allow student loans to be handed out for degrees that you're not going to ultimately be able to see the money coming back to be able to pay the loan back. Giving somebody $100,000 in debt to be able to get some degree, there's no way that that degree is going to lead to them being able to get the money back to it. it, is basically a recipe for disaster. And so, you know, are we going to give 10000 on an automobile finance contract to somebody that never had a student loan debt? No, that's not how this works. What we got to do is figure out the degrees that should be warranting these student loans and how much they get for each one. And if they can't make it off that, then they don't do the degree. They need to find something else. And then secondarily, start regulating the colleges a little better. And I'm talking about public and private universities on exactly what they can charge as it would relate to these things and still expect to get paid out of it, not just have a free meal ticket that's backed by the federal government, which when we say it's backed by the federal government, that means I'm backing it, you're backing it, every taxpayer in this country is the one that's actually backing it. The federal government has no money without us. So the reality check is those colleges need to be held responsible for what they're doing and what they're charging. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM, and I look forward to talking to you again next week.